and welcome to the very first episode of the This Here Vancouver podcast. My name's Josh Mesmer, and I would like to say that this is a joyous occasion, a, a launching party of sorts for the podcast, but unfortunately that's not quite the case here. Uh, originally, this podcast topic about the Vancouver municipal elections was going to be one of my typical video essays that I've been making for about two years now. And originally, I even thought I'd have time to get around to videos about Surrey and Richmond and Burnaby and even down to Coquitlam and, and Langley. But once I started, I realized that was probably a bit too broad of a scope. Uh, if you look at Vancouver, there's at least 11 or 12 major candidates that you have to look at, all with their own detailed platforms and policies, which is a really great thing for democracy, but not so conducive to efficient video making. Uh, in, in the famous words of the great Donald Trump, turns out government's hard. Who would have thought? So starting from three weeks to the election, time starting to run down, I still was optimistic and thought I could at least get to Surrey, but it turns out I couldn't even finish Vancouver's video, as eventually the script got longer and longer, and we're left with what you have now, this almost hour-long podcast, <sighs> which I would have no hope of finishing the animation work on myself, uh, but I still didn't want all the work to go to waste, and I still think it's a valuable resource for someone, uh, especially if you're interested in the details of the policies and having them compared next to all the other candidates all at once. If this isn't your sort of thing, though, there's also a spreadsheet that I made to help me kind of sort everything out, and I've shared that through Google Drive. And if you want to look at that, it kind of separates it into things like housing and transportation. It'll compare all the policies party to party. Um, and if at any point during this podcast there's a point where you're really bored, you don't really care about this section, uh, I've linked all the time tags down below, and you can kind of click through those and find the policies that you actually care about and want to listen to. You don't have to listen to it all, obviously. Um, and if you are listening on my typical platform of YouTube, and you would like to be listening on a better podcast medium so you can listen to it while you're driving or cleaning or, you know, doing whatever, I have uploaded it to Anchor, and that should disseminate it all to iTunes and Google Play and whatever other platform you use for your podcasts. Um, so some of the script, I think, probably works better with the combination of audio and visual, because um, that, that is how I write my scripts, and this was intended for video, but I think for the most part, it still will translate well to audio, so you just have to bear with me through those parts. And again, I wish it didn't have to be so long. Um, I wish I had more time. I'm kind of reminded of the, the famous words by Pascal, I think, um, maybe John Locke. If, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. But unfortunately... The election's in a couple days now, and I don't have more time. So, for the first episode of the This Year Vancouver podcast, we're going to have to make do with this. I hope you enjoy. So, if you haven't already heard, on October 20th, all the municipalities in BC are holding their municipal elections. And since this is called This Year Vancouver and not This Year BC, I thought it was finally time to talk about some Vancouver politics. So this is Vancouver's 2018 municipal election simplified. Because of the nature of these elections, I'm not going to be able to talk about all of the councillor candidates. Hopefully after this video though, you'll have a clear idea of which parties like the most and can then research those candidates from there. If you want to get some more information or keep up to date with all of the changes, I'd really recommend that you check out the Canby Report podcast. They've been doing a really good job covering everything and anything about this election, including some really great candidate interviews. So, with that being said, this is the city of Vancouver. Its borders reach from the aptly named Boundary Road in the east, which divides it from Burnaby, to Pacific Spirit Park in the west, which separates it from UBC, to the Burrard Inlet in the north, and the Fraser to the south. If you're 18 years old or older, a Canadian citizen, and you live anywhere within this area, then you get to vote. We're going to be electing 11 members to city council, including one mayor, seven park board commissioners, and nine school trustees, for a total of 27 elected officials, which will be elected from 158 candidates. 
But before we get into that, I think it's important to actually understand the powers that our elected officials have. Let's start with the council. Primarily, the council's role is to create city bylaws, which includes things like city zoning, noise limits, business regulations, and things like that. And they also oversee the city's various departments, which run things like community services, building licenses, business relations, city planning, engineering, and emergency services. They also hire the staff for these departments and services, including the city manager, who kind of acts like the middleman executive between the council and the various professionals within the departments. In many ways, the role of mayor is very similar to that of councillor. They both have a seat on council, and their votes both have equal power. The main difference is that the mayor has an added responsibility of acting as the executive of the local government, as well as taking on a role similar to the speaker of the house in the legislature. They're supposed to foster productive discourse within council, and also ensure and manage the proper implementation of council policies within the city's bureaucracy. They also sit on the mayor's council of transportation. Vancouver, unlike a lot of other cities, also has strong political parties. So if the mayor's party also holds a majority on council, the mayor, as the de facto leader of that party, holds a lot of power over the general direction that council wants to act in. We'll touch on these parties a lot more soon. The Park Board, which has seven commissioners, has a much smaller scope. Their sole role is to provide, preserve, and advocate for parks and recreational services. This includes things like public parks, community centers, and even street trees. The School Board, as a collective body, is responsible for managing the school district's resources and facilities, and assisting in the implementation of new curricula and programs within the schools. They control most of the money that the schools have at their disposal, and are very tightly linked with the Ministry of Education, the PACs, the principals, and the superintendent. Let's move on to the major parties. Unlike in BC, where the parties with the most seats get to elect their leader as premier, we, the voters, elect the mayor separately. This means that some major parties aren't running any candidates for mayor, because they want to make sure that their best candidates have a greater chance at winning the more easily attained councillor seats. And it also means that some of the major candidates for mayor have no party affiliation. The parties are also a lot more volatile in municipal politics, and come and go more often. Right now, though, the major parties in Vancouver are... Vision Vancouver, the NPA, the Green Party, COPE, Coalition Vancouver, Yes Vancouver, One City, Vancouver First, and Pro Vancouver. I'm also going to be talking a lot about Kennedy Stewart and Shauna Sylvester, who are both independent mayoral candidates with a lot of support in recent polls. Unfortunately, this is going to leave out a lot of other candidates, but these are the true frontrunners which you need to worry about. So, let's quickly go over these parties and what they stand for, and then we'll jump right into some policy-to-policy comparisons. First of all, Vision Vancouver, which is currently the leading party on council with 6 out of 11 seats, including our current mayor, Gregor Robertson. He's actually stepping down this election, and so are all but a single one of their current councillors, so this election's vision is going to be quite different from the one you currently know. In general, though, you can expect them to be a left-leaning centrist party. They actually originated as a 2005 offshoot from the leftist Cope party, although they do differ quite a lot. They've held power since 2008 and are responsible for things like our substantial bike lane network, the progress on the Broadway extension, and are famous for their widely criticized plan to end homelessness. Anything that the city has done or has failed to do in recent memory, Vision was responsible for. This election, due to the last-minute dropout of their mayoral candidate, they're not actually running anyone for mayor, and are only running five councillors, which actually means that it's impossible for them to win a majority. Next up is the NPA, or Nonpartisan Association, which, as the name would suggest, is an association of partisans. They're a right-leaning party that can be seen as the de facto leading party of Vancouver, having elected 11 mayors since 1941. Their last mayor was Sam Sullivan from 2005 to 2008, and they currently hold three seats. This election, only one of their current councillors are running again, as well as another seven councillors. Their ninth candidate is Ken Sim, who's running for mayor, and is the business owner of Nurse Next Door and Rosemary Roxalt Bagels, as well as a chartered accountant and investment banker. Then, there's the Green Party, which currently holds a single seat on council, under Adrian Carr. Like you would think, they prioritize environmental issues, although unlike their federal and provincial counterparts, are a lot more centrist and willing to compromise on those values. In addition to Carr, they're also running three more councillors, but no mayoral candidate. 
Yes Vancouver is the final party to currently hold a seat on council under their mayoral candidate Hector Bremner, who recently won his seat in a by-election running under the NPA banner. He also originally ran for the NPA mayoral nomination, but before the actual nominations occurred, he was ousted from the party. Hence, Yes Vancouver. They can be seen as a centrist urbanist party, singular goal of solving the housing crisis through increased density and reduced barriers to development. Next up, we've got COPE, or the Coalition of Progressive Electors, which is another staple of Vancouver's political scene. They've elected lots of councillors since their founding in 1968, where their goal was to create a unified left to beat out the right-leaning NPA. They held the mayorship from 2002 to 2005, before they were split by the creation of Vision. You could probably best describe their position as left of the NDP, with their most notable policies being the mansion tax and rent freeze. They're not running anyone for mayor, but are running for three councillors, including Jean Swanson, who is a longtime anti-poverty advocate, and most recently notable for a housing protest outside Chip Wilson's mansion. Although they sound similar, Coalition Vancouver is the exact opposite of the Coalition of Progressive Electors. If COPE is the left to vision centre-left, then Coalition is the right to the NPA centre-right. They're a new party this election, so it's hard to say how they'd act in government, but some of the main party platforms include removing some of the bike lanes, lowering taxes, and creating an anti-vagrancy or anti-homelessness laws. Their mayoral candidate is Wei Young, who was a Conservative MP from 2011 to 2015. One city was created during the last election, but they didn't win any seats. This election, they're running two candidates for council. I find it difficult to fully describe their party, but think millennial-style progressive party might be the right term. On the vast majority of issues, they're actually right in line with COPE, with some minor exceptions and the notable addition of the land value capture tax that we'll touch on later. Vancouver First is probably the least publicized party that I'll talk about, but they do have a few really good points on a couple of issues and are running a large slate of seven councillors plus a mayoral candidate, so I thought they still deserve to be included. Their mayoral candidate is Fred Harding, who's a former London and West Van police officer and currently runs a consulting agency that specializes in Canada-Asia deals. Pro-Vancouver is another party that's primarily focused on housing, except their approach is centered around city-funded construction and affordable social housing. They're a new party this year, but are running four council candidates, plus a mayoral candidate, David Chen, who's a business owner specializing in financial planning for families and was educated in physiology and psychology. Kennedy Stewart is the former NDP MP for Burnaby South, who stepped down from that position to run for mayor. He leans heavily into his NDP association in both his literature and his branding. He also studied urban politics and policy at SFU and has a PhD from the London School of Economics on World Cities. Shana Sylvester is an independent mayoral candidate who used to be a board member of Vision, as well as Van City and Mountain Equipment Co-op. She also served as the facilitator of the Transportation 2040 talks and was a member of the Greenest City Committee. I think it's safe to say that she leans left of Kennedy Stewart, although is certainly more right than Cope or One City. So, now that we're all familiar with the 11 major parties and candidates, what do they actually have to say? I've been struggling with how best to present the platforms of so many parties all at once in a way that would actually be helpful for everyone, but I think the basic system that I'm going to follow is major category that's communicated through a big title card, and then smaller policies within that category, where I'll simply list the parties that support each of the policies that I bring up. And unfortunately, I think that the best way for this to work is if you actually take notes. I know that kind of sucks, but I think it's the most productive and useful way to do this. So every time I pull up a new title card, you can create a new heading. And then every time I bring up a policy you really like or dislike, you can just note it down for yourself and list the parties that support it, and maybe make a second note for yourself about why you like or dislike that party. And then, at the end of the video, you can see which parties appear most often on your list of likes on the issues that matter to you the most, and hopefully that will help guide your vote. I also made a spreadsheet comparison that you can find a link to in the description below that might help as well. I also think it's important to note that I only included things that appear in the party's official platforms, as I think that says a lot about what they actually care about, and it just wouldn't be fair to add things that I heard from other sources or from events, because I couldn't give all the candidates equal attention in regards to those sort of things. I think that's fair.
And finally, we've got a lot of things to work through, so I'm not going to have time to stew on any single point. You might find it helpful to pause this video every 30 seconds or so, so that you can digest the information before moving on. If it's just too much of one thing for you, or you're getting bored, I've placed some timestamps in the description of this video, so you can jump around and skip ahead to the parts that you actually care about. So, finally, let's start with housing. More specifically, zoning. Coalition Vancouver, the NPA, Pro Vancouver, Shannon Sylvester, Vancouver First, and Yes Vancouver all support creating a new citywide master zoning plan. This will make future plans clear and transparent, speed up approval processes, and help stop one-off deals with developers. Shana Sylvester emphasizes that her planning will be done through local grassroots organizations across the city. The NPA, One City, Pro Vancouver, Kennedy Stewart, and Yes Vancouver want to create more rental-only zones. This will increase the stock of purpose-built rentals in Vancouver, and will most likely increase the vacancy rate and make rents a little cheaper. Pro Vancouver specifically wants to make all new high-density areas rental-only. As far as social and non-market housing goes, in regards to zoning, COPE will have the Vancouver Affordable Housing Agency purchase more land and use their already existing powers to zone that land for non-market housing only. One city will create buy-right zones that, even though they're not creating a city-wide zoning plan, will create pre-approved social and supportive housing zones that will fast-track approvals just like a city-wide plan would. Pro Vancouver wants to ban all land assemblies except for non-market housing projects, which will certainly incentivize more affordable housing, but will also most likely make it more difficult for the market to increase supply. Their ultimate goal is to have 50-50 social and market housing. Shana Sylvester plans on giving blanket approval to all medium-density projects citywide, as long as they're co-ops, which she's an avid supporter of. Yes Vancouver will require that for every 100 rental units that get demolished, the new development must create at least 5 additional non-market units which is a weird and interesting system to use the market to create non-market housing. On the topic of soft density, which includes things like secondary suites and laneways, and missing middle zoning, which includes things like town and row homes, Coalition Vancouver plans on repealing Vision Vancouver's recent Making Room plan, which allowed duplexes to be built on all single-family lots citywide and legalized having up to two secondary suites and laneway homes in areas where it wasn't already legal. Coalition is the only party that opposed this move, or doesn't at least have similar policies, so if this is something you care about, Coalition Vancouver might deserve your vote. Although, Vancouver First does also promise to protect single-family homes and to preserve the integrity of those communities. The Greens would like to allow even more than two secondary suites, and the Greens, NPA, Kennedy Stewart, Shauna Sylvester, Vision, and Yes Vancouver all support going even further and allowing row homes, duplexes, and townhomes on all single-family lots. Kennedy Stewart and Yes also support triplexes, and Yes even supports four-story apartments with commercial ground floors citywide. One City, on the other hand, is focused on creating separate, but still pre-approved zones for missing middle housing and small apartments, which will preserve single-family areas, but will also limit the amount of density and housing stock that the city can add. Similar to Yes Vancouver's four floors and a corner store model, Kennedy Stewart wants to allow for more small corner stores and cafes in residential communities, as well as laneway businesses. Coalition Vancouver and Yes Vancouver want to ensure that major transit corridors have higher density. One city would like to focus affordable development around transit hubs, which will be zoned in such a way that the closest units will be social housing, then co-ops and rentals, and then market housing at the edges of the hubs. Pro Vancouver will zone for more rentals near transit. Now, onto permits and development fees. The Greens want to simplify and speed up the permitting process by creating a single point of contact for all permits, and by using more web-based applications, as well as automating most of the process. The NPA and Pro Vancouver want to simplify permitting requirements to make applications easier and approvals quicker. And Kennedy Stewart wants to hire more clerical staff to speed up the process. So, better workflow, easier processes, more resources. In support of nonprofits and low income housing, the Greens, One City, and Yes will waive their development fees, and the NPA and Shauna Sylvester will prioritize them in their approval queue. 
with an emphasis on co-ops for Sylvester. Yes, Vancouver will also create an Office of the Director of Nonprofit Housing Approvals to speed up approvals. The Greens, Pro Vancouver, Kennedy Stewart, Shauna Sylvester, and Vancouver First will prioritize purpose-built rentals and secondary suites in their approval queues, and Kennedy Stewart will also create a purpose-built rental housing office to speed up those approvals similar to Yes Vancouver's plan for nonprofits. Shauna Sylvester will also drop extra charges for increase in floor space when single-family homes are converted for extra suites, and Yes Vancouver will increase their floor space ratio limits, which is basically how much square footage you can have in your development relative to your lot size as well as reducing development levies for secondary suites. So both end up with the same result of removing cost barriers for more suites. In regards to CACs, which are community amenity contributions, which are basically just payments that developers pay to build new houses so that the city can better pay for new services, infrastructure, and amenities for those new residents, the NPA, Pro Vancouver, and Yes Vancouver want to standardize the CACs and stop creating one-off deals with developers. Right now, the city has a lot of transparent CAC fees for specific areas, but in other parts of the city it's a little more vague and less transparent. Kennedy Stewart wants to change the CACs from fees to hard assets like affordable housing and commercial units, or daycares. And yes, Vancouver will count building amenity space like recreation, play, and gym areas in the same way that Kennedy Stewart will count public assets. Shauna Sylvester wants to create new CAC categories for smaller, medium-density projects. Now, onto housing taxes and fees. As far as property taxes go, the Greens want to give 10-year waivers to all social, non-market, and co-housing developments, and one city wants to do the same for just non-market housing. Vancouver First wants to have long-time property owners and residents pay lower property taxes than new owners, which makes sense on the one hand because if you've been living in Vancouver for a long time, you've been paying more taxes than other people, but will also make the transition into becoming a new homeowner a lot more difficult. Both Cope and One City want to charge a mansion tax, which increases property tax rates on highly valued homes. For Cope, that means paying 1% higher rates on the value of your home that's above $5 million, and 2% more on the value above $10 million. And for One City, that means 1% more on the value above $4 million, and 2% over $8 million. Most people have pretty quick reactions on whether or not that's something they support. One city will also create a land value capture tax. Basically, the goal is to tax the increased property value of your house that is caused by city infrastructure spending or by the city upzoning your property for higher density, which increases your property value and wealth just because of a city decision. I emailed them to ask how they would actually differentiate between property value increases caused by homeowner labor and improvements and by increases caused by the city, but I didn't get any responses. They also don't say if 100% of the increased value will be taxed or if it'll be a lower rate. Shana Sylvester says that she can use her new medium-density CAC categories to capture this value, rather than taxing the sale of the property. Cope, One City, Pro Vancouver, Kennedy, and Vision Vancouver will all triple the empty home tax to 3%. And now, onto city-funded developments. And first of all, where are they planning on getting the funding for these developments? Cope will use their matching tax and loans back for the city's property assets to fund their projects, and One City will use their matching tax and land value capture tax. The Greens plan on relying mostly on provincial and federal funds. COPE, the Greens, Kennedy Stewart, Shauna Sylvester, and Yes Vancouver will also work with nonprofits to use their funds to build projects. While one city will actually do the opposite and invest into nonprofits to help them grow their housing stocks. All of the parties plan on using city owned land to build their projects rather than buying new land. The city, by the way, is actually the largest property owner in Vancouver. Coalition Vancouver, the Greens, and Kennedy Stewart will all build city-funded private housing. The Greens will focus on rent-to-owns, Kennedy Stewart promises 35,000 condos and townhomes for first-time homeowners, and Coalition Vancouver wants 10% of all new housing units to be high-density, 300-square-foot condos near transit hubs, 
that will cost $1,500 a month, including the mortgage and condo fees, with $45,000 down over 25 years. Some of those units will also be rent-to-owns, and some will be larger units for couples. I'm not really sure how they plan to make this financially viable, but it certainly sounds nice. In regards to expansions of the city's current modular housing projects, COPE, One City, Pro Vancouver, and YES all want to expand the current scope of the projects. One City wants to build 2,200 units, and COPE wants to build either 2,138 units or 2,181 units, depending on which part of their platform you look at. Pro Vancouver actually wants to shift the focus of modular housing away from homelessness and instead use it as a stopgap to rapidly increase the supply of low-cost housing for families. Which I think is actually a really great idea, except it also then leaves those who are homeless with no new progress. In regards to social and co-op projects, COPE will build 18,000 units, one city will either build 24,000 units over 10 years, or 25,000 units over 5 years, depending on which part of their platform you look at. The Greens will combine the construction of community facilities with the construction of affordable housing, and Pro Vancouver will build affordable housing units costed at no more than 30% the median salary for the community that they're built in. Kennedy Stewart will build 25,000 units over 10 years that prioritize those making less than 80,000 a year, and he'll also replace SROs, or single-room occupancies, with city-funded social housing, while Shauna Sylvester will build public and affordable purpose-built rentals and provide city-owned land for co-ops. Vancouver First will build affordable housing, co-ops, and rentals on city land with a focus on seniors, low-income earners, and those with disabilities. And Yes Vancouver will build 15,000 affordable units over 10 years that are going to be used to help people transition out of temporary modular housing. With SROs, COPE will force renovations to maintain quality or purchase SROs to better maintain and keep up supplies. The Greens will purchase all SROs to retain the stock of welfare-priced housing, while Kennedy Stewart will buy them and replace them with self-contained social housing. Yes, we'll also enforce maintenance standards and will meanwhile work with nonprofits to provide better housing alternatives. Now, let's talk about price control and rental regulations. COPE wants the provincial government to implement a complete rent freeze for the next four years, while one city wants the rents to only be allowed to increase at the same rate as inflation, not that extra variable percent that the province currently allows. Rent freezes are quite widely criticized for usually having the opposite effect that they hope for, but COPE thinks they've found the solution with their preset four-year sunset on the policy, so it's supposed to just be a temporary measure to let everyone catch up. Both parties also want to ban landlords from raising rents to market prices when they switch to new tenants. This is a really good way to disincentivize rent evictions, but also feels like a pretty big infringement of the landlord's property rights, especially the ones who are already acting in good faith. Kennedy Stewart wants the province to give the power to control rental increases to municipalities so that cities can better adjust things to their own needs. Both the Greens and Channel Sylvester want to create below-market-rate, price-controlled housing with a focus on the working class and public service workers. Shauna Sylvester plans on doing this by partnering with employers, unions, faith groups, and community organizations to create these opportunities for their members. The Greens, on the other hand, want to enforce these price controls on 50% of housing citywide through conditional zoning and covenants on property rights, which are similar to zoning laws. They basically say that you can buy this land, but you gotta use it like this. As far as demolitions go, COPE will enforce maintenance standards in order to proactively decrease the frequency of renovations and demolitions, and COPE and Pro Vancouver will ban all demolitions of rental buildings until we hit a vacancy rate of 4 or 5% respectively. We currently have a less than 1% vacancy rate. The Greens also want to place an unconditional one-year ban on rental demolitions. COPE, the Greens, and One City will also require that for every demolished rental unit, at least one rental unit will have to be rebuilt. COPE and One City will require that these units will be priced the same way as they were before, and One City will even require that they're of equal or greater size at that same price. Yes Vancouver will require that all tenants from a demolished building must be relocated to a similarly priced unit at no cost to them, 
and that an additional 5% of the units in the new building are below market rates. Pro-Vancouver has developed a really strange formula to determine whether or not you can qualify for demolitions. It works out to the increase in your property value from its original value, not including the land value, must increase by 10% multiplied by the age of the building in years. So if you have a 10-year building, your property value minus your land value must be 100% more than or double its original value. You can think of that as you will. Shauna Sylvester and the Greens want to increase the enforcement of Airbnb bylaws, while Pro-Vancouver wants to increase the amount of Airbnb restrictions by redefining short-term rentals as anything less than 6 months and making 28 days the maximum amount that you can host through Airbnb a year, all while making Airbnb itself responsible for any failure to regulate its users. Yes Vancouver, on the other hand, wants to work with the tourism industry to make better and more accessible hotels and travel accommodations to better compete with and disincentivize Airbnb. The Greens, One City, Pro-Vancouver, and Kennedy Stewart also want to create a renter's office that will advocate for renters, provide a point of contact for renters, and better enforce rental regulations. Okay, now we've just got a few more miscellaneous housing policies that are brought up by only a couple parties, and then we can finally move on from housing. COPE will ban all landlords from disallowing pets. The Greens in Pro-Vancouver also want to work with the provincial government to either limit the amount of pre-sales that can go to foreigners, or to entirely restrict pre-sales to locals, although they don't define how local you actually have to be. Yes, Vancouver wants to ban corporations from owning residential property, with the exception of property and rental management firms, and while the property is under development. They also want to require all purchasers of property to disclose where that money came from in order to limit laundering and other illicit activities. They also hire a chief economist to create reports on the effects of all zoning and planning decisions. And finally, they'll advocate for the creation of a mayor's council on housing and homelessness to better coordinate intermunicipal cooperation on the housing crisis, kind of like the mayor's council on transportation does. And that's it. We're finally done with all the housing policies which have surely dominated this election. Now, let's move on to some other topics that you might not have heard so much about, starting with the very much related homelessness and opioid crisis policies. Let's start with homelessness. Coalition Vancouver refers to homelessness almost exclusively with the term vagrancy. They want to create bylaws that mandate that business owners must kick out vagrants from in front of their properties and along nearby sidewalks. They also include snow and trash in the same category of things that must be removed by business owners. They'll also train new bylaw officers to do the same. And finally, they do actually recognize that many homeless individuals have mental health issues, and so support reopening Riverview out in Coquitlam. Now, let's quickly go over some housing construction projects, some of which I already mentioned in the housing portion of this video, and others I didn't get to yet. COPE is going to build about 2,200 modular homes for the homeless, which they say actually saves about $23,000 per person to house them rather than provide shelter and provide for other compounding issues. Shauna Sylvester will build 2,800 units, with 1,000 earmarked for women and children, and Vision wants to double their current number to 2,000. The Greens, Kennedy Stewart, and One City simply say that housing the homeless will be their housing priority. Vancouver First also wants to make sure that there's support services in place prior to building modular housing, while Vision and Yes Vancouver want to make sure that on-site prevention facilities and other services are integrated directly into the modular housing. Vision also wants to expand their stock of heated winter housing for the homeless. COPE and the Greens both want to create sanctioned tent cities, where people will be allowed to camp within certain areas of the city for free. The philosophy behind this is that it will help replace the use of doorways, streets, parks, and other public amenities so that everyone can actually still enjoy them, and by centralizing the homeless population, they can better provide potable water, garbage pickup, and social and addiction services. These sites can also serve as funnels for modular housing candidates. COPE also wants to advocate for having welfare supplements raised to the actual cost of housing or living, or $1,600 a month. COPE, One City, and Shannon Sylvester also want to change the way our law enforcement interacts with homelessness. 
Shona Sylvester wants to foster a climate of support rather than punishment from police, and one city wants to better align health practices and policing practices, which to them means stopping police from interfering or showing a presence of force at addiction support and prevention sites. COPE wants to end the use of discriminatory laws, which to them aren't laws like it's illegal to be homeless, but are instead laws that give a lot of power to police to use their best judgment as to when enforcing them is actually necessary, which leads to a lot of biased enforcement. Copeless things like jaywalking, street vendoring, and loitering laws. They also want to stop forcing homeless campers to pack up their things and leave parks in the morning, which to me sounds like a have-your-cake-and-eat-it-too policy when combined with their sanctioned tent city policy. And finally, Cope believes that by diverting police efforts away from punishing the homeless, that'll open up about 5% of the policing budget to be moved over to things like creating housing and funding more services. Vancouver First, on the other hand, actually wants to increase policing and also empower citizens' patrols, which makes a lot of sense coming from a party running a former officer as their mayoral candidate. And finally, Shana Sylvester wants to create a garbage waste purchase program in order to support the homeless while the homeless support the cleaning of the city. Although she doesn't mention it in her platform, I think this would be a really good policy if it were also extended to needles. Speaking of which, let's move on to our first opioid-related policies, where Coalition Vancouver wants to hire more sanitation staff to clean up needles left in public spaces. Alternatively, one city wants to create a citywide distribution and collection system for needles using sharp boxes, which they'll make mandatory in new developments. As far as their overall drug policy philosophy goes, COPE, the Greens, One City, Shauna Sylvester, Vision, and Yes all support treating drug use as a public health issue rather than a law enforcement issue and support decriminalizing drug use. One city wants to go even further and lobby the federal government to not only decriminalize, but actually legalize drug use. COPE, the Greens, Shauna Sylvester, and Vision all support providing a clean supply of drugs to those with addictions, and Kennedy Stewart and Shauna Sylvester also pledge their support to drug substitution programs. Yes, on the other hand, will simply provide more drug safety testing locations rather than actually providing the drugs themselves. One City, Shauna Sylvester, and Yes all want to increase the accessibility of naloxin, which is the magical drug that saves people from overdoses, while COPE wants to provide all community centers with oxygen tanks to do the same. One City and Kennedy Stewart also want to expand training for first responders, including support workers and peer workers, and One City wants to increase the firefighter budget for the same purposes. And now, on to more optimistic topics. Let's talk transportation. We're going to start nice and simple with pedestrians and walking. The Greens want to make Vancouver the most walkable city in North America, and both they and Yes Vancouver want to create complete walkable neighborhoods with public spaces. Now, onto public transit and transit fares. For almost all these changes, Vancouver will need the support of the Mayor's Council, TransLink, and most likely the provincial government as well, so just keep that in mind as we go through all this. COPE, One City, Kennedy Stewart, and Vancouver First want to advocate to translate for free transit for those under 18 years old. The Greens would also like to make fares free for kids, or at least a little lower. Vision would like to simply lower child fares. For those with low incomes, COPE also wants to make their fares free, while the Greens want to make them free or just cheaper. One City wants to charge progressive fare rates based on income, and Kennedy Stewart wants to lower fares for them, as well as for seniors and those with disabilities. As far as additions to our infrastructure goes, the Greens, Kennedy Stewart, Vancouver First, and YES would like to extend the hours of service, with YES emphasizing increased Canada Line frequency, while Kennedy Stewart would like to add more neighborhood routes, and Sylvester would like to increase accessibility services like HandyDart. Kennedy Stewart, Shauna Sylvester, Vision, and YES all support extending the Broadway Millennium Line extension even further, all the way to UBC, preferably in a single phase. I've heard others pledge their support for this as well, but it's not in any of their platforms. I do think it's important to mention that the MPA stated that they don't think there's the ridership to extend the line past Arbutus. 
Cope supports more beelines, light rails, and skytrains of all kinds, while the Greens specifically want a False Creek streetcar similar to the temporary Olympic line, as well as to expedite our transition to all-electric buses. Vision also supports a False Creek streetcar that would also connect to an Arbutus Greenway line, and possibly even some lines through downtown. They'd also like to connect the new River District and South Fraserlands to a rapid transit system through the CP corridor along Marine Drive, all the way to the Canada line. Yes, Vancouver supports more bus routes for the South Fraserlands, and would also like to create more rapid transit bus lanes with dedicated traffic signals across the whole city. They'll also advocate for a beeline to rail program to slowly expand and upgrade a rapid transit infrastructure over the next 15 years. They're also the only party that mentioned the Cascadia high-speed rail from Vancouver to Seattle and Portland. That's probably more of a statement on their philosophy towards transit rather than an actual promise that they can deliver. In regards to Uber and ride-hailing, Sean Sylvester supports it so long as it's regulated and safe. Yes, Vancouver takes a different approach and kind of says, if we can't get Uber from the province, let's make taxis suck a little less. So they'll create designated taxi pullover zones to supposedly make ride-hailing easier. Now, let's talk about bike lanes. Coalition Vancouver would like to completely stop building bike lanes and to also remove the bike lanes on West 10th in front of the hospital, the ones on the Canby Street Bridge, the ones at Kitts Beach, and will also reopen the Adenac Highway 1 overpass to motor vehicles. Vancouver First will make some bike lanes seasonal and reopen that space to cars in rainier months. The Greens will take the exact opposite approach and expand our network, with a focus on connecting the gaps in our current system before expanding onto new things. They'll also add more public lockups near transit and shopping centres. From what I can tell, the other parties don't seem to be opposed to bike lanes, but they also don't have any tangible policies related to them. I also think it's necessary to point out that the only reason we have such a relatively large bike lane system is because of Vision, who also created the Moby Bike Share program. Cope would like to expand bike shares to support people with a lower income, while the Greens would like to support dockless electric bike shares that you can leave at any public bike rack in our city, kind of like the new trendy scooter shares that you might have seen in other cities. The Greens would also like to provide bicycle safety lessons in schools and increase traffic law enforcement for cyclists. And finally, cars. Coalition Vancouver and Vancouver First would like to keep and improve our viaducts instead of tearing them down. And Vancouver First would like to use the money that they hope to save from that for community centers. Most of the other parties don't really mention the viaducts. The Greens, however, would like to ensure that Prior Street can return to a neighborhood street once the viaducts are gone, and will build an alternate eastbound route. They'll also accelerate the repair and maintenance of our roads. Moving on to parking, Coalition Vancouver would like to fire half of our parking cops and retrain the others to only focus on those parked on major roads during rush hour. Pro Vancouver and Vancouver First would like to create free parking citywide on evenings and on weekends or Sundays respectively. This will make sure that parking is more affordable when most people are going out to spend money in our economy and will encourage them to do it more. Yes, Vancouver will do the opposite and move to demand-based pricing, with lower prices in off-hours and higher prices during high-demand hours. This will make sure that there are always enough spots and one or two spots are open at any given time, making city parking easier to find so you never have to go to more expensive paid lots, making people more likely to go out. This is the original purpose of paid parking, by the way, to make sure that there are always open spots and the filled spots are being used by those who actually need them. The Greens, Pro Vancouver, and Shana Sylvester would also like to expand the amount of lots with charging stations in them. The NPA promises to quadruple our current number by working with the private sector, probably through development fees. The Greens would also like to use better technology so that our traffic lights can better synchronize and speed up walking, cycling, and vehicle traffic, while YES specifically mentions the use of machine learning to do so. And finally, let's talk about transportation taxes. COPE is going to advocate for a Metro Vancouver carbon tax that will be used to fund transit infrastructure. 
The Greens support mobility pricing as a long-term solution for sustainability, while Vision has previously shown interest in it primarily as a means to reduce congestion. Pro-Vancouver, on the other hand, rejects mobility pricing. Are you bored yet? Well, that's too bad, because we still have a lot to go through. Let's talk about government transparency and democracy. Both Cope and Shauna Sylvester would like to change our electoral system towards a mixed ward and at-large system. All of our councillors are elected at-large, so the top 10 candidates with the most votes citywide get elected. The mixed system would create five wards throughout the city, something like downtown, east van, south van, west side, and marple, although that part's not exactly clear yet. Then, the candidate from your ward that gets the most votes from residents in your ward would be elected to represent your ward. Ward, ward, ward. Then, the top five candidates with the most voters that weren't elected to represent a ward would be elected to represent the entire city, just like we already do. Unlike Shauna Sylvester, Cope kind of hints that they wouldn't even use a referendum to make this sort of change. Kennedy Stewart, on the other hand, will either create a ward-only system or create a proportional system. The ward-only system would either create 10 wards with one councillor each, or something like 5 wards with 2 councillors each, where you only get to vote for candidates that represent your ward and not any candidate citywide. The proportional system would be a little more complicated, but will basically make sure that the percentage of seats a party wins is equal to the percentage of votes that a party wins. In municipal politics, it'll most likely result in a complete loss of independent candidates, unless serious exceptions are made for them, which is a strange thing to go for from an independent candidate for mayor. If you want more information about that, I have a video about BC's referendum on the topic that you can watch. Kennedy Stewart will use the results from that referendum to decide which system to implement, rather than paying for an entirely new referendum just for Vancouver. And finally, one city will create a citizens' assembly a people randomly selected from the population, one city will then hold a referendum based on the assembly's recommendations. They'll also lower voting age to 16. I think a lot of people might see that as a political move, since most young voters lean more to the left, towards parties like one city, but there's also a lot of studies that have shown that by lowering the voting age, you can increase the rates of lifelong voter turnout. COPE would also like to give voting rights to permanent citizens and to place voting stations closer to transit to increase accessibility and equity. As far as community engagement goes, COPE and the Greens would also like to increase funding and recognition of community organizations to give individual communities more power and voice. The Greens and Shauna Sylvester would like to give neighborhoods direct voting control over where their taxes go. The Greens use the example of parking fees in the West End, where a portion or all the funds raised from those fees will go to wherever West End residents vote for them to go. Kennedy Stewart would like to create an online petition system where petitions can reach signature milestones that result in direct letters from the mayor or invitations to hearings chaired by the mayor. The NPA would like to create a nonpartisan Team Vancouver, composed of the mayor and council, as well as local MLAs and MPs from all parties that will advocate on behalf of the city to higher levels of government. In regards to transparency, the Greens, the NPA, Kennedy Stewart, and Shauna Sylvester would all like to create an official lobbyist registry that will be held at all times, and Kennedy Stewart and Shauna Sylvester would also like to ban all elected officials and staff from accepting lobbying positions for one year after they leave their current position, and Stewart would also like to include the acceptance of government contracts in this ban as well. Kennedy Stewart would also like to ban elected officials from working second jobs and will advocate for expanding municipal campaign finance laws to match or exceed the current provincial ones. Most likely so we don't see more things like this. The NPA will also take away the power to control their salaries from the council and give those powers to an independent committee. And finally, Shauna Sylvester will reinstate mandatory training and orientation for newly elected councillors to ensure that they're aware of their responsibilities, duties, and powers. All right. Four sections down, seven to go. I promise these ones will be shorter, hopefully. 
Business and Taxes Coalition Vancouver believes that their removal of bike lanes and vagrancy will increase the flow of customers to businesses. They also oppose the province's new school tax, which they refer to as blatant socialist capital appropriation. Taking a complete 180, COPE would like to institute a municipal minimum wage of $20.62, which is a little less than $43,000 a year working full-time before taxes. They refer to this as a living wage, which is calculated relative to housing costs. If we hold prices constant, that's enough for a student to work part-time during the school year and full-time during the summer and be able to afford both living and almost entirely paying off their tuition without loans. Not that prices will stay constant, though. One city will pay a similar wage to all city employees, which I think the city actually already started doing, and will create a living wage zone in the False Creek Flats, where all employers in that area have to pay the living wage. That sounds like a good way to me to push out small and local businesses from the flats. And I think that if you're already going to take the risk of a local minimum wage, it might as well be citywide. But maybe I'm missing something here. The Greens, Shana Sylvester, Vancouver First, and Yes Vancouver will all regularly consult with local business improvement associations and better empower them to improve their communities. Shana Sylvester will also appoint a small business representative to help facilitate that communication and advocate for them. As far as business licenses go, the Greens would like to fast-track licensing for businesses that deliver community benefits, which in my mind is all businesses that manage to stay in business, but presumably they would develop some sort of rubric to decide how to sort their applicants. They'll also develop graduated business licenses so that new and small businesses don't have to bear such a high cost burden. Shana Sylvester and Vancouver First plan on making fees more understandable and consistent, which will hopefully make the application and approval process more efficient. They and the MPA will also simplify property taxes to make them more consistent and easy to manage. Yes, Vancouver will freeze business property taxes until they're more in line with residential rates. Businesses currently pay around 45% of property taxes, but only own about 17% of the properties, which might sound unfair to you, or might sound good to you, depending on how monopoly man you think of businesses as. COPE, One City, and Pro-Vancouver will charge small and local businesses lower property taxes than larger and international ones. COPE, specifically, will do this by creating new business property tax brackets that'll break down like this. One city will also call on the provincial government to limit the amount that landlords can raise commercial rents, similar to the way that residential rent increases are also limited. Yes, we'll reduce the amount of industrial and commercial zoning categories there are to make approval simpler and quicker. They and one city will also preserve our industrial lands. And again, both Kennedy Stewart and Yes Vancouver want to expand the opportunities for businesses on all streets across the whole city. The Greens, Pro-Vancouver, and Kennedy Stewart would also like to create city-run business and innovation incubators, while one city would like to shift the focus of the Vancouver Economic Commission from tech companies and startups to supporting and building small local businesses. The NPA would also like to develop a program to support businesses under duress from things like floods and fires. One city will, one city will also recognize businesses that are 30 years old or older as historic assets that deserve more protections. And finally, one city in COPE will create an empty stores tax, simpler to the empty homes tax. Okie dokie, arts and culture, e e. Coalition Vancouver wants to create designated SWAT teams to remove unsanctioned graffiti and will also create a graffiti hotline. On the flip side, they'll also engage with artists in order to beautify the city and commission them to create public pieces and murals. They, Kennedy Stewart and Shana Sylvester, also pledge their continued support for the relocation process of the art gallery. The Greens, Pro-Vancouver, Kennedy Stewart, and Shauna Sylvester all want to create more live-work and exhibition spaces for artists. 
The Greens would like to create more area zoned for creative uses, and Pro Vancouver would like to create a permanent space for farmers markets, artists, and entertainers, with a focus on exhibitions, performances, and food, with vendor stalls that can be rented by the day. Kennedy Stewart, likewise, would like to develop a community-backed plan to create an all-season food street in Chinatown that would act as a large-scale farmer and street market. He also supports getting Chinatown UNESCO World Heritage status and the creation of a Chinese history museum. The Greens, Shauna Sylvester, and Vision also support protecting and expanding community events and festivals. Coalition would like to create a collection of five $10,000 awards for artists in five categories, theater, music, literature, visual arts, and champion of the arts, like a scholar, academy, or nonprofit. Cope, Kennedy Stewart, and Vision all support increasing funds for arts grants, while the Greens support funding cultural initiatives like more libraries, community centers, and public facilities. Kennedy Stewart would like to expand library hours and services, and Shauna Sylvester would like to expand all programs and improve accessibility. Yes Vancouver would like to see more programs related to the arts and community centers. And finally, one city would like to exempt all spaces, housing artists, artworks, or cultural workers from property taxes. All right, let's move on and talk about the environment, parks, and waste management. If any of these policies have to do with parks or community centers, just keep in mind that that then falls under the park board's jurisdiction and not the city council, although they do still have the power to plan for more park space in their official community plans. Coalition strongly emphasizes that green is not necessarily clean. They want a clean city with less vagrancy, less needles, and weekly garbage pickups. Pro-Vancouver would also like weekly garbage pickups. Coalition also wants to double or triple the amount of public garbage receptacles and promises that they'll never overflow again, which seems like an unachievable promise, but definitely tells you where their mind's at. The Greens, on the other hand, want to initiate a four-bin public recycling program citywide and will promote composters in multi-residential and commercial buildings. They'll also create dedicated collection systems for pet waste and will use that waste for compost and methane harvesting. Yes, we'll expand the dog waste red bin programs. Shona Sylvester, on the other hand, will institute a garbage buyback program which we talked about earlier, to keep streets clean and engage and support the homeless. Cope wants to ban all takeout styrofoam and disposable bottles, while the Greens want to completely ban plastic bags. Instead of banning disposable bottles, the NPA wants to incentivize the use of reusable bottles by creating more refilling stations across the city. As far as buildings go, Cope wants to reduce development fees for solar panels, while the Greens want to make solar panels mandatory on new projects. While the Greens want to go even further and make solar panels mandatory on all new projects. They'll also create a Vancouver Carbon Trust that'll fund energy retrofits. They also support urban farming and will also require green roofs where possible. Vision supports urban farms as well and will build 2,000 new community plots over the next four years. On a similar note, Shauna Sylvester will require more parks to be in place in high-density areas in order to better absorb floods and water runoff and require greater water-earth permeability to reduce surface runoff. In anticipation of climate change, she'll also require that all bridges can support a one-meter increase in sea levels and will ensure that all new buildings will be able to withstand heat waves. Vision will require that all new buildings are passive, zero-emission designs. As previously mentioned, the Greens will advocate for all electric buses, while they, the NPA, Pro-Vancouver, and Shauna Sylvester will increase the amount of public charging stations, and Shauna Sylvester, Shauna Sylvester will also create incentives for using electric cars, such as lower fees for parking. She'll also electrify all city-owned vehicles. The Greens and the NPA also want to have 100% swimmable beaches citywide. The Greens will do this by making it illegal to release untreated sewage, while the NPA will accelerate the city's separation of sewage and stormwater pipes in order to achieve the same goal. Yes Vancouver simply states that they also want to improve the water quality in the False Creek, but they don't mention swimming. The NPA also wants to build more swimming pools, while Yes will make the first swimming lessons for kids under 14 free. Cope says it'll improve equity and access to swimming, which I think means building more pools with equal distribution citywide, so that the best pools aren't all located in richer neighborhoods. 
In regards to parks, the NPA also wants to extend park ranger service to after 8pm, and place more lighting in dark areas to improve public safety. They also want to put the Arbutus Greenway under park board control, which makes a lot of sense right now, but will also probably put an end to any Arbutus streetcar plans. The Greens, Shauna Sylvester, Vancouver First, Vision, and Yes, all want to continue to increase our park spaces, with the Greens and Vision being focused on small parklets, and Yes emphasizing more dog parks to go along with their increased dog waste bins. I feel like Hector Bremner probably owns a lot of dogs or something. COPE will ensure that there's no encroachment upon parks from roads, developments, or hydro stations, and promises to decolonize parks, which I think just means giving them Squamish or Hunkaminum names, but I could be wrong. As far as community centers go, COPE wants to make entrance fees cheaper as well as free for kids under 5, while Vancouver First wants to reduce rental fees for nonprofit youth organizations. YES also wants more novice and competitive athletic programs which from their description seems like they want the city to take over some of the running of associations like soccer clubs and basketball clubs and things like that. And last but not least, the Greens, Pro Vancouver, Kennedy Stewart, and Yes Vancouver would all like to allow public drinking in parks, although they only kind of have the jurisdiction to do that. Oh, and Cope and Shana Sylvester want to make more accessible and free bathrooms citywide. Alright, let's move on to schools and childcare. Just like the parks, let's all remember that it's the school board that makes most of the decisions related to schools, and they in turn rely a lot on the decisions of the Ministry of Education. With that in mind, let's start with infrastructure and new schools. The Greens and Yes will advocate for more schools, with a focus on downtown, the Camby Corridor, and the Fraserlands River District. Both of them, as well as the NPA, would like to advocate for accelerating the seismic upgrades, and the two of them, as well as one city, want to ensure that we get rid of all the leads in our pipes as soon as possible. COPE also wants to create an indigenous high school modeled after the Zaipei Elementary School. The word for cedar is chpei. 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 Chpei which, if you support, you probably support quite avidly, although I don't see how, even if anyone is allowed to attend the school, how it's any better than segregation. Advocating for increased programs focused on indigenous culture and knowledge sounds like a great idea to me. This just seems like an anti-progressive way to go about it. Anyway, COPE, the Greens, and One City will advocate for smaller class sizes, and COPE, the Greens, the NPA, and YES will advocate for expanded language, arts, and adult education programs, and YES will advocate for more science programs and financial literacy programs. The Greens also want students to have more access to the outdoors. COPE, the Greens, the NPA, and One City have pledged their support for the sexual orientation and gender identity curriculum, although it's important to note that the school board has no real power over changing the curriculum, so it's likely that some of the other parties support it as well and just haven't mentioned it. COPE and One City want to follow a sanctuary city model, where there will be no barriers for signing up for schools regardless of your parents' immigration status, and One City would like to create special representation positions on the school board for members of the local First Nations. COPE wants to provide free breakfast and lunch for all students, while the Greens say that they generally support food programs, and COPE, the Greens, and One City all support creating city-owned housing dedicated to teachers as part of their non-market housing plans. Shana Sylvester also wants to create below-market, price-controlled housing, although her model relies more on employers, unions, and faith groups than city funding, so it's possible that teachers wouldn't be quite as highly prioritized in her system. COPE wants to eliminate public funding for private schools, and Vancouver First and YES want to generate more public school funds by renting out more school spaces to community groups and other organizations outside of school hours, while the Greens would like to simply open up school spaces for community groups to use. The NPA would like to ensure that when catchment boundaries change, younger siblings will be grandfathered in to their older brother or sister's current school, even if they should now be starting school at a different location. And finally, COPE would like to rotate the location of board meetings around the city in order to give parents greater access and voice. 
For reference, right now the vast majority of school board events, for reference, right now the vast majority of school board events and meetings take place at the school board office on West Broadway and Fur, in the South Granville area, kind of on the border of Fairview, Kitts, and Shaughnessy. So if your kid goes to school in Killarney, that can sometimes mean a 40-minute drive to make it on time for the 7 p.m. board meetings. On to childcare now, COPE, One City, and Vision all support $10 a day daycare, with COPE hoping to make Vancouver a pilot city for the project. COPE, the Greens, the NPA, One City, Pro Vancouver, Vision, and Yes Vancouver would all like to increase the city's current childcare capacity, with COPE building 7,500 early childcare spaces and 10,000 after-school spaces, with a priority on Indigenous-centered childcare, while the NPA will incentivize the creation of more childcare spaces by requiring childcare facilities to be part of all new developments and removing the current $42,000 fee for creating an open air playground. One City and Vision would like to use modular buildings to create childcare spaces on school grounds, with Vision pledging 400 units plus an additional 1,000 childcare spaces in other locations throughout the city. And now, on to our very last section, seniors. The Greens, NPA, Kennedy Stewart, Shauna Sylvester, Vision, and Yes Vancouver all support allowing missing middle and soft density in all or most neighborhoods, which means that people have spaces to move to within the same community to match all stages of life. One city also supported the creation of missing middle and multifamily zoning, but plans on only allowing them in certain pre-approved zones, which limits your ability to age and downsize within a single neighborhood. The Greens and the MPA also put an emphasis on allowing senior centers in all neighborhoods to provide space for the final stages of life as well, while Shauna focuses on the community aspects of co-ops for early senior care. Those three also want to prioritize more accessible infrastructure, including street ramps, lighting, and cleaning up cracks and bumps. Shana Sylvester will also advocate for increased handy dart services, and she and COPE want to create greater access to public washrooms. The Greens will also increase funding for seniors to prepare for our rapidly aging population, and they, as well as the NPA and Shana Sylvester, will increase community and social programs to combat loneliness. The Greens and the NPA also want to bring childcare centers and senior centers as close together as possible to encourage intergenerational engagement, and Shana Sylvester wants to create a youth mentorship program to achieve the same goal. And finally, Sylvester also wants to focus on female seniors who are disproportionately living in poverty, likely because a lot of them lived whole lives where only the men were expected to be the breadwinners. I don't think there's any reason to limit any programs to just female seniors and think the best system would simply focus on senior poverty and not discriminate based on gender, but it's a good start. And that's everything. If you want some more information, I've linked all the parties' platforms down below, as well as the city's election resources, and I've even done up a spreadsheet that compares all of the parties' platforms. If you have any questions, feel free to ask them down below. And last, but not least, I'd like to thank my patrons, who helped make this video happen. And at long, long last, we're finally done here. Thanks for watching. And also thank you to my patrons again.